I'm sorry, Acts 16. I'm going to start about the 16th verse. The 16th verse, Acts. All right, I'm coming from the Spiritual Warfare Bible. Here. It says, On one occasion, as we went to the place of prayer, a servant girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us, who brought her master much profit by a fortune-telling. 17, and she followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaims to us the way of salvation. And she did this many days. But he began greatly, they began greatly troubled by what they were saying. And Paul turned to the Spirit and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came at that moment when her master saw that the hope of their profit or their gain was gone and they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the ruler verse 20 and they brought them to the magistrate saying these men being Jews greatly troubled our city and teach the customs which are not lawful for us, being Roman, to receive or to observe, that the crowd rose up together against them, and the magistrate tore the garments off of them and gave orders to be beaten. And after they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely and having received such an order he threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet verse 25 which I thought will be at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's shackles were loosened and when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open he drew his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had escaped. 28. But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for lights and rushed in and trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he then led them out and asked, What must I do? To be saved. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your household shall be saved. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, God, right now that even in our trials and our turmoils, that the scriptures will back up that we must be saved and we must be dependent on Jesus Christ himself. Well, here is Paul and Silas, and they're running around, they're roaming around um, the town, and they were praying at one point, and uh, here comes a... Uh, 
soothsayer or a person that worked in um, fortune telling or black magic or all these things. And uh, uh, in the meantime, um, this young woman um, began to cry out and recognize the God in them. Amen. And God wants us to know that we must live in such a lifestyle that they would know and recognize the God in us, the innate ability to represent Christ, the soon coming King, the God of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Well, here was, this woman was a fortune teller. She represented divination. They represented an unclean spirit. They represented this woman who was a woman but was not a woman of God. God puts us in a place sometimes that it looks like there's nothing seems to be going right in our lives. We feel like sometimes our backs against the wall. We feel like there's no hope, no nothing. It looks like everything that's going wrong that can go wrong will go wrong. It looks like uh, whether it's lack of finances, whether it's a lack of knowing who God is, or whether it looks like the more you serve God at some time, it looks like it, it just feels like everything is going wrong and nothing's going right. But it's in those times we have to know the God that we serve. In those times, we have to recognize that God is working on us. He's pruning us. He's cleaning us up. He's making us so dependent on who he is, not by money, not by other things, not by our beauty, but God wants us totally dependent on us. For example, when you go back into the book of Job, um, and Job went to permission to God to touch his people, his men to God. And he said, well, you go ahead, I'll give you my permission, but just don't destroy him, don't kill him. Well, you know, sometimes in our lives, we begin to think that God himself has all, feels like he's forsaken us. But his word says that he will never leave us or forsake us, even until the ends of the world. I want you to know that there are times in my life, and I've been preaching in the ministry for many years, I've always had times that I feel like God has left me, but I know that he has not because of what the Word says. There's been times of total feeling of loss, loneliness, misdirection, miscommunication, but God is still present because his word says so, and his word does not lie. Again, when we go through great trials, it feels that way, but it is not so. It is the enemy's job to make us feel that he's left us. It is the enemy's job to make us feel forsaken or not loved. It is the enemy's job to do what he can do to keep us uh, having a relationship with Christ. But it's not so. For the devil is a liar, and he is not a man of truth. He is exactly what he is. He is the devil himself. Not dressed up in a pretty red dress or horns on his head, but he is a deceiver. He is a 
destructive spirit. And we must hold on to Christ uh, sometimes with tears in our eyes. And here Paul and Silas is now getting ready to become persecuted for Christ's sake. And at some point in our lives, and sometimes all in our lives, we're going to be persecuted whether we're on our jobs or persecuted in our marriages or whether we're persecuted in things um, um, that we go through because he's making us. And he makes us in our tears. He makes us in our shortfallings. He makes us in our trials. He makes in us when we're hungry. And But God said you said that you would never leave us because it's, impo- it's an imposter that's trying to separate us from Christ. Well, he says in Romans, the book of Romans, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says that. He says, for with God in Luke, it nothing shall be impossible. Well, here you have these two men of God that are going out on a mission to represent Christ. And it says that that in the scriptures that uh, the two men would see them coming in and recognize that they were saying they were recognized that they were men of God. They were men were called by God. They were men that were designed and directed by God for this mission. And sometimes the enemy will recognize that you're doing things, but they also know that you represent the Christ. The thing is that even the devil recognized that we are men and women of God. They recognize when we're walking right. They recognize that we pray. They recognize that the glory that sits on us, in us, and through us because we recognize the soon coming king. Okay? So, here Paul decided, you know, I'm sick of her coming around me in and out. So what I'm going to do now, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to cast out every spirit. Sometimes in us, the spirits will overtake us, and so we have to speak those things in our own personage, that when we will say things we're not supposed to say, and we're Christ-like, we have to say, I cast out those spirits in us that not like God in the name of Jesus. Here, these people, these two men decided that even though they were been beaten with many stripes, the scripture says, they were beaten because um, um, uh, the, the fortune teller decided that they didn't want her to take fortune, do fortunes, and would make, they would lose their money. The Bible says their gain. And so they went to to, to the magistrate, or they went to the man in charge and began to say, these men that are not citizens were doing things that was illegal. And so they decided to put them in jail. Here, Men and women of God sometimes go uh, not so much a physical jail, but a spiritual jail. We end up in those kinds of things, those bondages, because we want to do right, but sometimes we sometimes stray from the path of God. But these men decided, no matter where I am, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to praise God. So we have to come to that conclusion that we have to learn that in our trials, in our afflictions, that we must pray and praise God. Praise brings on God. Praise loosens our shackles. Praise and prayer allows the angels and God to step in to 
bring us out of our bondages. But you know, sometimes we don't, when we don't go through things, we don't realize how great God is in our life. For example, there are people that are going through divorces or marriages and trials. Sometimes the only time we get on our knees or build relationships with Christ is when we're going through through great situations when we know only God can handle those situations. There are times in our lives we have to recognize who Jesus is. Sometimes when we go through things, death experiences, losing a loved one or things go through with our children, those are times that we go to God quickly because we know he's the only thing, the only personage, he's the only thing of value that we can go to where we can get an answer from God. Well, here was Paul and Silas behind bars because they had not done anything wrong, but because they they they, they wanted to help this person or this woman to get rid of this spirit that she would uh, read palms and do all kinds of things, whether it's lotto or whether it's um, any other kind of dog fighting or or, or uh, sexual abuse or there are a whole bunch of things that are out there that the enemy that uses us or people to stay in bondage, stay in a state of being lost, a state of being denied, a state of being that I just don't know what to do. I know I taught this message years ago that said, God, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Well, this is the way uh, this woman was feeling. She felt and she recognized the spirit of the living God. Even though she was a soothsayer, she was a woman that did all kinds of things, she recognized that we are a part of the living God. When we recognize, and coming from the book of Acts, 16th chapter, 16th verse on down, when we get in a state of confusion, when we get in a state of brokenness, God is trying to talk to us uh, 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 and prune us and, and, and hold us in the palm of his hand. We have to be, we feel like, God, I just want to get out of this trouble. I, I don't know what I'm going through. All I know, God, is I need you. But sometimes when we get in that place, when we can cry out to God and know that we need him more than breathing, we need him more than prayer, we need him when there's no hope, no, it seems like there's nothing can help us. God can help us. He put us in that state of we need him. When we get in that place when we need God, we need him. There he is. He is there. Sometimes we can't see him. We can't see him physically. We don't know what things are going on in our lives, but God is there all the time. He said, I will never leave you. I, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Or forsake you even until the ends of the earth. Here Paul and Silas were in jail, Acts 16 and 16. They were in jail because they cast out a demon out of a woman that was working. Said they were going to, they wanted to know why they were in jail. But they decided they were getting beaten. They didn't tell you how many people were beating them. They didn't tell you how long they were beating them. And that was a physical beating. But for us, 
we go through spiritual beating. We go through a beating because whether it's uh, our children don't want to listen or whether we go through a beating because of things in our job, whether we're going through a beating because it looks like all hell is breaking loose in our lives and we don't understand. But we say, Lord, we're we're saved and we're filled with the Holy Ghost and I, I don't understand. But God does not tell us to understand. In fact, the word says this. I know he says, he says, you don't have to understand. He says, lean not to your own understanding. He said, but in all things acknowledge him and I will direct your path. Well, sometimes our path will put us into a state of confusion. Our path will put us in a state of, God, I don't know what's going on. He'll put us in a state of, God, did you leave me? God, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on. But here Paul and Silas in jail, they began to pray. And they began to cry out to God. And they began to say, Lord, I might be in jail, but I must still praise you. I might be in obstacles that I don't understand, but I, God, I'm going to hold on to your word. Hold on to your glory. Hold on to your majesty. Hold on in the midst of my trials. Hold on no matter what's going on. Even in our prayer life, we must come to the conclusion that, God, I'm going to keep praying till something happens. I'm going to keep praying till you move. I'm going to I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to fall out. I'm not going to backslide. I'm just going to hold on to you bless me. I'm going to hold on to you move by your power. I'm going to hold on no matter what is happening in my life because God, I know you are the living God. Can you imagine Paul and Silas in jail in a deep, dark dungeon? No lights, there's no electricity. It's just dark. It could be a little mouse running around in jail. It could be anything. You don't know when the last time they ate. But here Paul and Silas are depending totally on God, all they wanted to do was preach the gospel. All they wanted to do was tell somebody about Jesus. All they wanted to do is finish their course, finish their fight, and live for Jesus. And it looks like when you make up your mind to do right, it seems like it's easy to do wrong. It's easy to go to a club. It's easy to get high. It's easy to lay up with somebody else's husband or wife. Those things are easy things. Those are no-brainers. But when we make up our mind to trust him, trust him when our back's against the wall, trust him when no, there's no food in the house, trust him when you don't even know where you're going to put your head down to sleep at night. But when you trust him. I remember when I, when I realized I've got to learn to trust him, when I can't trust him. And here we have these two men to God now. These are not sinners. These are not whores. These are not people um, just to do anything at any time. But God puts us in a place sometimes. When we have to have total trust in Christ. Sometimes have you ever gotten to a place when you got on your knees or sitting on your bedside and and you just didn't know what to say? You didn't know how to feel. You didn't know what to feel. But you've trusted with all your might and it just seems like ain't nothing working. Have you ever been a place where you just wanted to just give up? You just wanted to give out? 
it just, it just, just, it just like, forget it. I wash my hands. Well, that's the time when Jesus Christ steps in. When not when we want him, but it's when his will kicks in for us. He said to to Jeremiah, he said, I knew you from before your mother's performed in your mother's womb. He says, and I have a plan for you. Well, in your plan, there are times of distress, like in the book of Job. He says, he says, as at my appointed time, okay, there are times when we think it's time for God to step in. But it's his, it's his timing, it's not our timing. When we might want to eat and don't have food and say, God, send somebody to feed me. But it may not show up till the next day. Because he teaches us, he wants us to be dependent on him and him alone. In the book of Job, at one point, Job was distressed. His friends were there and they thought he had sinned. They didn't understand and. Job finally went to God and said, God, I don't understand. And he complained. But then down the line, in the same book of Job, he said, Job, he said, Job, where were you when I threw the stars in the sky? Where were you when I made the heavens and the earth? Where were you? In fact, what God saying was, I created you. I made you. I want you. Certainly I can do whatever I get ready to do when I do it because I'm not dependent on you, Joe, but you're dependent on me. Well, here is, again, Paul and Silas depending on God in prison, didn't know when they were going to get out, didn't know how they were going to get out, didn't know whether or not they would die in jail, didn't know, even know how they really got there other than by law. We don't know how uh, how much blood was on the floor where they were getting beaten at. You didn't even know how they were going to ever stop bleeding on the floor in the jail when it was dark. They only knew there was a, a jailer there to protect them to make sure they couldn't get out of the situation they were in. Like Paul, God says to us, you might not know how you're going to get out of the situation, don't know how you're going to get benefits, don't know how you're going to feed, you don't know how you're going to get a paycheck, you don't know how. Well, God wants us to learn to depend on him, his word, his timing, his situation. That's the way Paul was feeling in the prison. That's how Silas was feeling in the prison. But you know what? They decided, even in my prison experience, even in my situation, God, I'm going to lean and depend on you alone. I might not have another breath or I might die tonight, but you know what, God? I'm going to trust you tonight. I'm going to praise you tonight. I'm going to hold on to you tonight. I might have tears in my eyes, but I'm going to praise you and I'm going to sing unto you with all that I got left. God, I trust you. God, I trust you. I trust you. I don't know why I'm in this situation, but I trust you. I don't know how I'm going to get through this night, God, but I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to cry out. And I believe, God, that you ordained me to be even in this situation. Because you're all I got, God. 
I don't know, have you ever been in a situation where you said to yourself, God, you've all I got, God, and I trust you. I remember when the night my mother died, I said to myself, God, I don't understand you. She's all I had, God, and she's gone. But I trust you. In my tears, God, I trust you. I can't trace you, but I trust you. And we get in that place sometimes that I've got to trust you. Because you're all I've got, God. I'm not your mama, I'm not your daddy, God. I trust you, God. He knows the way that I take. He knows, God, the very breath of my life. You know my job situation. You know my children's situation. You know all about me. You know that you said in your word, God, that you know the very numbers on my head. And whatever number on my head, when it falls out, you know what number that hits the ground. And that's the God I trust. God, deliver us. As a people, God, deliver us. Help us. Like Paul, Silas, God. And the Bible said, and suddenly. I don't know about you, but I've had some suddenly moments. Suddenly, the atmosphere changed. Suddenly, I got a new job. Suddenly, my children started talking to me again. Suddenly, God. And I prophesied to the wind that we need some suddenly moments. In a dark situation, suddenly, God, help us to move by your power. God, suddenly, we need a prayer life that brings us a suddenly experience. Suddenly to call on God. Suddenly to move by your word. Suddenly, God, I need you. And when we get in that place and that space, and God, when we can cry out, God, help us to maintain. That the people around us can see the God in us and want to be like us. And give us a suddenly experience that I cry out and say, what must I to be saved? Because what that person has, I want to be and be like that God that's in, in them. Well, here is Paul and Silas having that experience that the jailers, and not just the jailer, but the prisoners all in that space saw that kind of God, that radiance in them, that cry out in a spirit to say, God, I trust you. God, I need that God. I need that God experience. I need that subtly experience that I want to know that God that they have. Saints, that's what we need to be. We need a suddenly experience in our prayer life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That God experience, that suddenly experience, that no matter what I'm going through, it's only a moment in time. No matter what we're going through, we're going through that God experience, that we need Jesus, that I can have food, I can have clothing, but I need Jesus more than everything else in my life. I need that God experience. I need that prayer life that I can tap into the Spirit of God, that my life will never be the same again. That when I walk, I walk with the experience of God, that I can change it wherever I walk, wherever I talk, who I be with, that there's something different in me that Jesus has put in me 
to make a difference. Like Paul and Silas. We need that innate ability to know God for ourselves. When we want to get out of this turmoil, we want to get out this this situation. We want to run out. But you know what? When he keeps us in that place for a time, he's making us grow. He's making us pray. He teaches us to hold on until change comes. That's when we become mature in the things of God. That's when we realize that we need Jesus. We're just a calling on a name, but we're experiencing a changing life thing in our lives. That we don't just walk through the valley, but while we're going through the valley, we come out with a change experience. That we come out with a suddenly experience. We come out with that suddenly experience that moves mountains and change atmospheres, change climate changes. We move by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want. That's what we need. That's what we must have. Because I want to be like Jesus. And in my turmoil, in my confusion, in those things that we don't understand, we develop a prayer life. We develop a groaning in the spirit. We develop the things of God, the joy, the happiness, the long-suffering. We develop those things when we're going through. Because we're going through, we're not going to live there. We're not going to stay there. But we're going through. And when we go through, we experience those things, what God's teaching us. He's pruning us like a plant. We're pruning us. We're taking off the little dead leaves so the plant can live. He's making us. He's molding us so that we can walk like Christ, talk like Christ, be like Christ. So when we look in the mirror, we no longer see Glenda. We no longer see anybody else. For when I look in the mirror, I look like Christ. When I look in the mirror, I act like Christ. When I look in the mirror, I'm dressed like Christ. Because when I look in the mirror, there's a mirror of who Christ in us. The hope of glory. But if I never had gotten in that prison, if I had not got in that bondage, if I got not slavery mentality, I would have never known what freedom was like. Well, that's what happened to Paul in Acts 16. They recognized the importance of freedom, even though they were in prison. When you get in a place, when you don't know what to do, then you recognize what freedom becomes. Freedom becomes happiness. Freedom becomes, I no longer was in that place, but I'm now moving to a new place. Bondage. In bondage, I'm bound. But in freedom, there's a choice of being happy. Depression will make you be in bondage. Freedom.
wrapped up in Christ. Well, maybe he's not moving today, but tomorrow may be another day. But no matter what place or state I'm in, I'm going to follow Christ. No matter what I'm going through, I'm going to follow Christ. No matter, no matter what happens, the enemy will come with lies, deceit, shortcomings to kill us, to kill our minds. That's why Paul says, be ye renewed by your mind. So we have to renew our minds daily. The enemy will try to destroy you through your mind. If I got your mind, I got you. Well, here, Paul and Silas, even though we're in a dungeon, they're in jail with a jailer. They did not have their minds. And that's why they could sing praises unto God. They could say hallelujahs to God. They could be be happy in bondage because the enemy does not have your mind. Be ye be renewed by your mind. Our minds are powerful. We have to have our minds renewed daily. We can't sit down and think about all the negative things that's taking place all day long. Because the more you think about how depressed, how terrible, what a bad day you are, the worse you're going to feel. But the more you think positive, the more positive you'll become. The mind, that's why Paul says, be ye renewed. Your mind has to be renewed. That's the enemy. He comes to our minds first. So we have to command these minds to walk in the mind of Christ. We have to command our minds to do what thus says the Lord. Because our minds controls our spirit, our minds will say, no, I can't do that. Our spirits, our minds are connected to God. That's why some men will just curse and curse and curse to the point that they don't even know they're cursing. Because their spirit has been taken over by their mind. And anything filthy that comes out of their mouth is what's already in their spirit. The power of the mind. And here was Paul and Silas had the mind of Christ behind closed doors, behind the prison gates. No lights, no food, no nothing. But they were praising God. And because of that prayer, And because of that praise, and because of that love of God, God said, okay, I'm going to loosen them. That the Spirit of God stepped into that building and shook the very foundation of the prison. And that's what we have to do ourselves, that the very foundation of our hearts and our spirit, man, foundations be shook to know that we have been in a place with God, that no enemy, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every word that rises up in judgment, it shall be condemned, because the mind of Christ is sitting in our spirit, man. Here, Paul and Silas felt the very foundation of the jail. 
but not just Paul and Silas. But the Bible says that the prisoners, all the prisoners, as even the jail jailer himself, felt the shaking of the foundation of the building, not just the cell, not just a jail cell, but he said the very foundation. Can you imagine the very foundation of your home where you're sitting? Or the foundation of a parking lot, the foundation of the of a of a of a road, but the found he said the foundation of the earth shook. God came down and shook the foundation of his saints because they had the audacity to believe that praise and prayer would touch the heart of God. And that's what we have to do. Recognize that Paul and Silas God came down into the dungeon and shook the foundation because they decided to praise God and sing. So in your situations of all the things that you're going through, saints, begin to praise God and sing. So your very foundations of what you're going through, whether it's a divorce or children or job or transportation or mama or granddaddy or grandmama or whoever in your life that's having problems, when you begin to cry out to God, praise him and pray. Call on his name. In such a such a way that the people that were holding you hostage would recognize the God in you and say to yourself, "What must I do to be saved? Because I want to know that God, that God, I want to be." around that God. I want to know that God. And the Bible says that he gave his life. The jailer gave his life to Christ. And that's what we have to do. We have to represent Christ in a way in Acts 16 that the very foundation of what we're going through and not so easily be shaken that we want to just run about our troubles because when we're troubled, we pray more. When we're in trouble, we talk to God more. When we're in trouble, we read our Bible more. When we're in trouble, God's pruning us. God's making us. God's molding us. To be like him and nobody else. Not like Michael Jordan. Not like anybody else. Not the president. Nobody else. No vice president. Nobody else. No children. Nobody else. No, no, no famous artist. Nobody else. But he's molding us in his image. So that when we get in that place where we really need God to pray and praise him. And he shall, at his timing, he will shake our very foundation and make a way out of no way, no matter what we are going through. For we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. And he said in his word, For when my people, the church, who are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways. Don't forget the turning part. Then you'll hear from heaven. 
and then he will heal our land. He will heal our land. When we pray, God moves. Again, because we just want the trial over with. We want the situation over with. We just want to move on. Enough is enough. And you know what? We can't tell God what to do. God is in charge. He's large and he's in charge. He created the universe when we won't even be thought about yet. God is in charge. Jesus Christ, Elohim himself, he's in charge. He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The triune Godhead. He is El Shaddai. He is God more than enough. He is the God of second chance. He is God. He is the King of glory. He is mighty in battle. He is. He is the living God. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Tiskani. He is the God of a second chance. I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this word tonight. And Father, if I touched anybody's heart through this word, thank you. God, we thank you. And if there's anybody on the line who's listening and just not talking, Father, we pray for them that we touch their hearts, their minds, and their spirits, that they might sin against you. And if they're not saved, God, save them. If they want to be saved, God, give them a great day today, tomorrow. God, bless them every day, every day, every day. Thank you, God, for the hour, the second, the minute for this broadcast. We thank you, God, in advance, God. God, save someone. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. God, encourage them right now in the name of Jesus because we know there are people out there hurting, that are wounded. God, we pray for those that are sick and that are afflicted. I come against every disease, every disorder, every disaster in their lives. I come against everything not like God in the name of Jesus. I rebuke every retaliatory demonic force. I come against every devil at every level. I come against every spirit. I speak, God, in the name of Jesus. You said there's no weapon formed against us, so prosper in the name of Jesus. I thank you by the power of the Holy Ghost. I thank you for the power, the exousias of God. We thank you now in advance for the moving of the waters in our lives. We thank you now, God, for what you're doing in Hanamusha, for the atmosphere. We thank you now, God, for the climate change in their lives. Ah, God, at your accord, in the name of Jesus, we praise you, we adore you, we magnify you, God, in the name of Jesus, for you are the living God. You are El Shaddai. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are God all by himself. And we thank you, Mr. For this word, we thank you now in Jesus' mighty, illustrious name. Amen and amen. If there's anybody on the line who wants to say anything, you can come off mute and say something. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and close out. Okay, I think quiet gives us consent. All right, Father, we thank you. Um, We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you, God, for those of the Holy Ghost again. Pour your spirit back into me, God. God, cleanse me, wash me. God, teach me to be your servant. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, saints. Till we we meet again next Thursday night, amen and amen.